Hi, my name's Paul. And my name is Reese. And you're listening to No, no Garnish. Happy talking, talking, happy talk. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm seeing Don't it. Go the happy things you do. I'm going like Cockney Ticky. Happy Me. talking, talking, happy talk. <laughs> happy talk. talk. About things you love to hear. I really quite like that, though. Like Cockney Tiki. <laughs> Cockney, Cockney tiki. Hawaii. It's a whole thing. It's a whole Hoxton thing that's going on at the moment. <laughs> Cock Hawaii. Cock Hawaii. Cock Hawaii. I like that. Cock Kakawahu. So now you sound like a Star Wars character. Did you Kakawahu? <laughs> That's true, it does sound like. Ooh, Kakawahu. <laughs> happy, happy, happy talk. Talk about the things you like to do. Who needs Rogers and Hammerstein? <laughs> <laughs> Captain Sensible did that. Did he? So I was once in the barbers and there was like an older guy next to me. And after the bloke left... The barber went, do you know who that was? I got I had no idea. But that was Captain Sensible. Oh, really? Like, really? Didn't look anything like Captain Sensible. I didn't even know. I thought Captain Sensible was just what you said to someone as a slight, like, in, insult. Like, oh, there goes Captain Sensible. No, he was um, in he was the actually damned. in the damned. Yeah. One of his outfits is in Brighton Museum. Oh, is it? Yeah. He had a bit of hit with Happy Talk, and he used to wear... He was famous for, like, little glasses and a beret and wearing silly outfits. Right. And that was Captain Sensible. Right, right. And I sat next to him in the barbers and I had no idea. Oh, really? That's my Captain Sensible story. <laughs> ah, I love it! Day centre next door to where I work. Yeah. The woman who runs that used to date Rat Scabies, who's the drummer of the Damned. Oh, no way! Yeah. Rat Scabies? Yeah. Maybe. So if she got married to him, she'd be called Mrs Scabies. Rat Scabies. Can I tell you a rat story? Yeah. So the British Secret Service, yeah. I found this out today, the British Secret Service developed exploding rats. How did you find this out? On oh, no, a blog post. Right. <laughs> okay. I think it was called something like the, Muse- the Museum of Ridiculously Interesting Things. Oh, okay. I know that one. Yeah. So, yeah, they developed expl- like um, fake rats that were right. filled with explosives. Right. And the aim was was to put them in German factories... And so the factory workers, on, like in the basements, and the factory workers would find these dead rats and go, oh, and then they would shovel them up and throw them in the furnace. Oh. Kaboom. Not one of those rats ever exploded. Really? And yet, it was a huge success. How? And the reason was the Germans intercepted a boat that was carrying a load of them. Yeah. But then assumed that they'd already infiltrated... German factories. Right. And spent a huge amount of time and effort cleaning up all the rats from their factories. Oh, no way. It did fuck them up still, but... Without ever one exploding. Wow. Yeah. But they were so paranoid of it, they kind of went on a massive cleaning spree. Yeah, which took up loads of time and resources. Oh, wow. Kind of job done. I like it. Yeah. I like it. God, that's so, like, batshit crazy, though, isn't it? Like, the war effort. Oh, man, yeah. Just the shit comes that out, comes out of it. It's like it's like that story, isn't it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the facts. It's, it's in the sort of echelons of my brain somewhere, but um, I'm pretty sure it's something like the Russians were training dogs, explosive um, suicide dogs, to go under German tanks oh, and to blow up. yeah. But they were training with their own tanks. And then when they went on the battlefield, uh, all the dogs just ran to their own tanks because that's what they recognized <laughs> and blew up like an own goal. And I, and I don't know if that's like, I'd have to like, you know, fact check it. But it's just one of those stories that kind of gets bounded around. Good story. It is a good story, isn't it? <laughs> we're doing Oklahoma in my acting course. Oh, Okay. And uh, it's the cowman and the farmer should be friends. Oh, the cowman and the farmer should be friends. One man likes to push a cow, the other likes to chase a cow, but that's no reason why they can't be friends. But the the problem um, with the song is that um, it's in my head all the time. It's a yeah, real yeah, like yeah. earworm. Yeah, because there's a whole bit where it goes like territory function stick together, territory function all be fouls, farming back with the rapping towels, from the rapping towels, and like three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. 
That's the stuff of madness. It is. Ten weeks of this. I'm going to need a padded cell by the end of it. What are we drinking today, Paul? We are drinking Aku Aku Zombies. Oh, I love it. So it's the zombie cocktail, but it's the zombie cocktail that was served at the Aku Aku restaurant which is a tiki restaurant that was attached to the Stardust Casino in Las Vegas in the 1960s. Ooh, Stardust. I I like it. Have you ever seen Casino? The film, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Casino is based on the Stardust Casino. Oh, is it? Oh, interesting. They had to change the name for legal reasons. Oh, really? So the Stardust was opened in 1958, and at the time it was opened, it was the largest hotel in the world. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. (laughs) I went there. You've been to Las Vegas? I've been to Las Vegas. Oh, wow. And I've been to the Stardust. So I went there in its last few years, maybe around 2003. And at that time, it felt very old school compared to... The newer ones, oh, really? like the Venetian and... What is Las Vegas like? Crazy. Is it? Yeah, I loved it. Did you? It's just so surreal. Is it? They're just massive complexes of crazy entertainment. Really? Yeah. Is it? Is it like... like Treasure just... Island, every night on yeah. Treasure Island, there's an enormous pirate battle outside, multiple times a night, every night. Wow. When I was there, you would walk down the strip yeah. and the, sh- the trees all had speakers in them and they're all playing Frank Sinatra crooning from the trees. And, oh, it was just like, for me, it was just kitsch paradise. Wow. I loved wow. it. Wow. It was just like a kitsch heaven. Yeah. Wow. Someone was telling me about Las Vegas, how you kind of like lose all sense of time because no watches anywhere, no clocks, no clocks anywhere. Yeah, so you yeah. don't really know what time of day it is and actually you're kind of inside a lot because it's as soon as you go outside it's like burning heat and you're just like yeah. like oh my god yeah, yeah. find the shade as quickly as possible because it's like a city right in the middle of the desert yeah I mean it's impossible to walk for more than 20 minutes down the sidewalk but right. as you do you're just walking through kind of clouds of fine mist because they're spraying right just to keep everyone to keep everyone cool whoa and that was, you know, that was 15 years ago. Wow. So it's probably even more amazing now. God, they've probably got like, <laughs> I missed. Like all your currency is converted through the eye mist. Yeah, like you, you like a walk through a cloud of it as you enter a casino and everything's just, yeah. <laughs> everything's done. I love the idea of like a giant pirate battle yeah. multiple times a night. And the ship would sink as well. Wow. Every night. And you then next door to that, there's a volcano going off. There's dancing fountains. It's it's so funny because that's such a contrast to a program. And I don't know what program it was, but it was on in the week. And it was about Yorkshire. And there's like, <laughs> there's like some sort of like park up in Yorkshire. And it was all about this guy who has like model boats. And they're quite large model boats. One of them was big enough that he could like sort of stand up and be in it. Right. Um, and he would have like big waders on. Like wearing his, it. Yeah, wearing like wearing it. his boat. And then it was all like preparing for the climactic battle of these like World War II kind of like battleships. And then it was like, oh, the big climactic battle. And then there are like loads of sparklers and smoke bombs going off. And But it was just the sort of naffness of it. Like compared to what you're talking about, like a giant full-scale pirate boat. But it was something quintessentially British about it. And as a kid, I would have loved to have seen something like that. Because I just think, like, when you're a kid, just stuff like that is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like your toys have come alive. Like, wow. No, that would have been amazing. Yeah. 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 And there was something quite 70s about it as well. It it was kind of like, yeah, I can see that idea, like, in the 70s being like, whoa, this is, you know, the VR of the 70s almost. It's very 70s. I was initially picturing the 70s. Yeah. There was a fun for that I used to love going to... As a kid, every year we went to it, um, Allen Bay on in the Isle of Wight. You used to love it. You put your like money in or your token, and you go around on like little dodgems and stuff. You know, the newest thing there, you know, because this was in the nineties, was that one of those like simulators that you go in oh, yeah. and they rock around, and then you're like, oh, suddenly we're skiing, and then oh, we're in a rally car, and then oh, in a plane. You know, and it was cool. it was so spectacular. But then I went to it like when I was a sort of a, a young adult. And it was just like, oh, God, this is all so, like, tired. And it was almost like Fallout, you know, the game Fallout. 
It's a bit like that. I was like, oh, this is really like, and it was like off season. I was like, oh, this is all, this is all really weird. It was quite haunted. It was like my, my whole childhood was like the end of my childhood. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Do you know, you know that feeling? Yeah. There was always a fair up the road in Kingsbury Park. And I remember going there once when I was, I think about 17 or 18. Right. On acid with a couple of friends. And it was like early in the evening and the whole place was shrouded in mist and there was mm. no one around other than the carny folk. Right. And it just felt like something wicked this way comes. Yeah. It was, yeah, we got out there quite quick. Was, we went on that? one Some, ride. Something wicked, what? Something wicked this way comes. What's that? Isn't it Ray Bradbury? And it's about like a sinister fair that comes to town. Oh, is it? Did I talk about the Brighton Pier ride on No Garnish yet? Because that is just... The horror house on that is awful. I mean, it was so bad. It's pretty bad, yeah. At one point, one of the pistons goes like that, and it's supposed to have something on it, but there's nothing on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a bit where a big spider girl, like comes down you're like that and then there was a bit with an old lady and I was like oh she looks actually quite nice like I'd like to have a cup of tea with her she's just like that like eh, you know she's just like she's just a bit lonely and it got to the end of it and I was like fucking hell that was like three pounds or something yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean you'd be like what the fuck was that rubbish um but that kind of ties in with the zombies, doesn't it? Yeah, nice. Nice link. Yeah. Nice, nice, yeah, nice yeah, I like segue. that. We've Let, kind of come back in. Um, the ghost train yeah. to the zombies. I it's get... a lovely cocktail. What's in it? We haven't told what's in it yet. <laughs> we haven't even spoken about that. <laughs> Welcome to the No Garnish Cocktail Podcast, where we don't really talk about the cocktail. Well, that's the genius of our podcast I like concept. It. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what's in it. It's got... Three different types of rum. One of the reasons I like this more than the classic zombie is it's a bit lighter. So the zombie, one of the reasons it's like so notorious is that it has four ounces of rum in it. Right. Which is twice the normal amount of a cocktail. Right. And one of those rums is, is an overproof rum. Right, okay. So it's a really, it is, the zombie is a really strong cocktail. Yeah, this version is lighter. There's two and a quarter ounces of rum in it. Those three rums that it uses are three of my favourite rums. So it uses a gold Cuban rum, okay. a dark Jamaican rum, and then an overproof Demerara rum. So I love it. You've got three different types of rum in there. That's amazing. Well, that's one of the things that the creator, right, whose name you might recognise, that's one of the things that he invented. Let me get, let me give you some context. Okay, this. okay. So basically, this is the history of Tiki. Yeah, and the history of Tiki starts with a guy called Ernest Gant, who is more famously known as Don the Beachcomber. Oh, Don that, the Beachcomber. Does that ring a bell? No. Okay. But I would, I like, I, but should I pretend like it does? <laughs> oh, I know him. But then I go, do you? And you go, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one of my signatures, isn't it? He's, he's like one of the most famous characters in cocktail history. Right. He's great. We're looking at pictures of him there. Yeah. That's him as a younger man in that one. Yeah. And then a bit older there. He looks like a really sort of fun, chilled out guy. He's kind of, he looks a little bit like Hunter S. Thompson, like a friendly Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. And I, by all accounts, he, you know, not only is he quite a character, but there's nothing, I've never read anything like bad about him. Oh, good. Like he wasn't an asshole. Right. Good. He was a raconteur. Oh, was he? he? He told a tall tale. Right. You never really knew if he was telling you the truth. Right, right. But it was kind of all in service of this whole mythology right. of, of himself that he created. Oh, I like it. I think his mum was Texan. Right. His dad was from Louisiana, maybe right. New Orleans. Right. People think he probably grew up in Texas, maybe had mm. like quite a tough childhood. Mm. And then as a very young man, so late teens, early 20s, he got a job as a, I mean, it's called a supercargo employee. And a supercargo employee is mm. the, when a yacht's taking cargo on board, yeah. sometimes they would employ someone specifically to look after their cargo that's being transported. Right, right, okay. And there's some rumours that sometimes that cargo was illegal alcohol. Oh, right, okay. So maybe he had a bit of a bootlegging past. Right. So as a young man, he's the supercargo employee for the captain of a yacht, and it's heading to Sydney by way of Hawaii. And he spends a few years traveling around the South Pacific. Yeah. So this is, um, we're talking like 1920s. Right. So in 1933, which was when Prohibition ended, yeah. 
when he comes back, he opens a bar in Hollywood called Don's Beach Coma Cafe. And he kind of decorates it with stuff that he's collected on his travels. Oh, cool. And he makes these drinks that he calls rum rhapsodies. Like the famous ones are the zombie, the cobra's fang, the pearl diver, the missionary's downfall. They're drinks where he takes, and he's the first person to do this. He doesn't just use one rum. He takes a few rums and layers them together, blends them. And then he adds fruit juices and syrups. And this bar becomes incredibly popular. Oh, really? And Hollywood celebrities are going there, celebrities of the age. Is it, is it because it's just totally new? Totally Nothing new. Nothing yeah. seen before, these new drinks. Yeah. And it's kind of this whole Polynesian kind of style is like... Yeah. His his line, wow. his his tagline was, if you can't get to paradise, I'll bring it to you. Oh, brilliant. I love it. And so he just creates this whole concept. And then is this kind of um, to do with Contiki? You know, the film Contiki? Yeah. Uh, Can we come back to that? Yeah. You're totally right. And yes. We'll, we'll I'm glad you that. know about that. So, so Don Beach creates the zombie. And then at some point later in his life, he's... The consultant for the Aku Aku restaurant, which is yeah. attached to the Stardust. Yeah. And so that's why he makes them a version of the zombie. Oh, okay. That's a, a little bit lighter right. for the kind of Las Vegas guests. So one of the things in the Aku Aku zombie, which isn't in the normal zombie, is a secret thing called zombie mix. Right. And this, you know, it's one of those things that had to be tracked down and worked out. Right. And so zombie mix is a combination of its equal parts, grenadine, absinthe, orange curacao, and falernum, which is a ginger, lime, and almond, and clove syrup. So all those four ingredients are mixed together. Yeah. And then in one drink, half a teaspoon of that mixture. Oh, right, right, right. But if it doesn't have it, it doesn't taste the same. Right. So that was a, that's a very Don Beach thing. Oh, like a tiny okay. amount of this secret sauce right 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 secret recipe mix and there were some drinks that only he would mix up he wouldn't even allow other people to mix them all the mystique and it all added to that whole mystique yeah like he's literally just stepped off this boat yeah 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 south South islands and he's he's come back with all these amazing drinks he was a genius he was a genius i mean it's kind of hard isn't it nowadays with social media and everything but i love the idea of it or people in the invention of people's kind of like backstories like they've kind of invented personas for themselves they've invented stuff about themselves and people sort of go like nowadays you know with, with the age of social media we all want you know the truth we all want to be true to ourselves and stuff but like, there's a part of me that's just like oh god that's so boring because I love the idea you know there was an element of me wanting to be a bit like that when I was younger, you know, um, changing my name. Yeah, me and, too. I had that. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And kind of, in some ways, I kind of wish I went I went with it. Yeah. But it's like whether you can, as a person, whether you can live up to the legend. Yeah. Because once you start it and you get invested in it, you have to carry it on. Yeah. And can you carry on with that? Be, can you carry on being not true to yourself or inventing yourself? Or, in, or inventing yourself into that person and then living with the person that you've invented. thing I wonder, you know, like these people who are really into like wearing period clothes. So yes. you see people who, who like immaculately dress in the 1950s. Yeah, you see, you see them way. in Brighton a lot. Yeah. And I just think, do, you, do they never just get up one morning and go, oh, I just can't be asked. It's yeah. so much work. Yeah, yeah. I just want to wear jeans and T-shirt, but yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. This is, this is my This persona. is who I am now. Well, yeah. if they ever have those moments and just go, well, I just can't leave the house today then. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, fuck, because all I've got is my tracky bottoms. I can't go out. Or do they just dress like that all the time, like, even when they're just lounging around watching TV? I get the impression that some of those people do. Do you know what? To be honest, actually, I've kind of, I kind of have known some of those people in the years I've lived here. Like, right. like someone I lived with actually dated people like that. Okay. And I could say that, yeah, they are dressed like that all the time. Like they do have their off days behind closed doors, but you know, it's very rare. Will they leave the house? Not in costume. No, I don't think they ever did. No, no, yeah. They were really that committed to it. It's it's funny, really, because I've got a few things that I wear over the 
that I change into. One of the things that I've got is my denim cut-off jacket that mm. I have sewn patches to, and mm. I've got you know punk style uh, metal uh, spikes and shit on. This is like I used to have one when I was fifteen. Yeah, that was is my it? uniform. That when was your uniform when you were fifteen. Yeah. And I've only just started recently in recent years, but it's quite weird wearing it at my age, I think, because it's kind of one of those things that you can get away with when you're young. Mm. But when you're wearing it at my age, you know, you almost have to be like a biker and have Mm. the bike and have the lifestyle in order to embody it fully, to be almost properly committed to it. But then there's a part of me that was just like, fuck it, I just enjoy wearing it. Like, I do look quite severe and actually people do walk out of my way. And and stuff, and I because I sort of and I almost like adopt a different body language, mm. but then I open my mouth and I'm like, oh hello, how how are you doing? And people are like, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting, you know, because I'm not that yeah. I'm not that character. And I think, but then I sort of think that's quite interesting, like kind of the interchangeableness. Like some people are kind of looking for truth, you know, in the heavy metal scene and stuff. There's a lot of kind of the whole, you know, are you true to rock? Are you true to it? But, you know, I kind of grew out of that. It was just like, actually, as a person, I am multifaceted. But, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It's that polarity, isn't it, between are you you the true or are you the fake or is the... But then the the truth is stranger than fiction and the fiction is more fun than the truth. I don't know. Gant set up this bar called Don's Beach Kona Cafe. The decor and the styling is Polynesian, but the drinks themselves are Caribbean. Right. Oh, yeah, of course, because rum and yeah, yeah. fruit yeah. juices and yeah. And these days, that whole thing is called Tiki. Right. But essentially, it's a Polynesian fantasy. It's, it's quite Easter Island, isn't it? Like the whole tiki yeah. mug and everything. Like, you know, the giant heads. Yeah, yeah. Um, so another bit about the drinks is that he was really secretive with his recipes. Oh, okay. And so he's actually taken cocktail, certain people like um, Jeff Beachbum Berry, and it's right. taken them years to try and... To try and track down... I'm sorry, who? Jeff Beach Bumberry. So you've got uh, Ernest um, Beachcomber, <laughs> Don, Don the Beachcomber of a comb-over. D- yeah, so Ernest Gant yeah. set up this bar called Don's Beachcomber Cafe. And and the person to unravel his cocktails was called Don the Berry Beach... <laughs> Bummer. Beach... Beach... What? I would say they're the three most important people in, like, Tiki law yeah. in the history of this. Yeah. So, Ernest Gant, he set up the cafe called Don's Beach Coma. Right. Probably got fed up of people calling him Don. Right. So, he changed his name to Don Beach. Right. And, it, and then is now known as Don the Beach Coma Beach. <laughs> then you've got Trader Vic. Trader Vic. So, Trader Vic came along, and Trader Vic started off... He first went to a Don the Beachcomber's restaurant. Yeah. Thought, oh man, this is a great idea what this guy's doing. So started doing it himself. Yeah. So Don Beach became successful and had a chain of Beachcomber restaurants. So did Trader Vic by copying what Don Beach did. And then in modern times, those guys were the sort of 60s, 50s, 60s earlier. Yeah. And in modern times, you've got Jeff Beach Bumberry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but his thing was trying to track down the recipes that these guys used. Yeah. Because particularly Don Beach was incredibly secretive. Right. And so his recipes, like uh, in the working context of the bar, he would put things in bottles and just call it Mix X. Yeah. And only even within these establishments, only certain bartenders would know the actual recipes for any oh, of the right, stuff. Oh, right, right. It was really like, wow. So when he died, a lot of this shit died with him. Right, interesting. But Jeff Beach Bumberry has been tracking it all down. I love it. Basically, Jeff Beach Bumberry is like a really kind of laid back Indiana Jones, isn't it? Like he's on the quest. Yeah, he's like a surf cocktail Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. He's on the relic to find the relics of the hidden, um, you know, Jeff Beach Bumberry and the uh, crystal cocktails. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, 
yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm showing you some pictures of some of Don Beach's later Don the Beach Coma cafes. Because the first one was literally a shack. Right. Then he has them built around the country. Right. And this is more like the 50s and 60s. And they're kind of, they're kind of like space age tiki. They look like um, the Tracy Island model. Yes, they do. It's got that whole 50s Thunderbirds with the palm trees. Yeah. It's really it's really 50 sci-fi. They yeah, 50 they're like giant UFOs but a kind of kind of mixed in style like a tiki a Polynesian, Polynesian UFO yeah, has yeah. landed yeah yeah and also there's incredible a, there's something almost kind of like um <laughs> Wrigley Scott Prometheus about them as well yeah which i guess kind of the giant heads in that Prometheus look a little bit like Easter Island don't they i love the fact that i love the kind of empire building of it you know I, building I th- build and it's like we've talked yeah. about this before with cocktails how they're so ingrained in uh, alcohol is so ingrained with with society and with social movements, mm. and I think like the more that you kind of uncover through this sort of historical journey is that you know I mean he he created a whole because that whole fifties like Hawaiian thing and does that all come from him then is it like with Elvis and Hawaii and or was he or was he riding on the back of that and then kind of created these tiki cocktails as a as a zeitgeist of the time. It's kind of coinciding with it. All this stuff kind of spans from the early 30s up until the kind of end of the 60s. It was like a 30-year period, which was the right. boom time for this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm being kind of funny with how I describe it because right. for, for like a good reason. So in the 30s, yeah. you've got Don Beach doing his Polynesian cocktails. Yeah. No one's ever seen anything like that in a kind of dining experience. Right, right. You've got fancy posh nightclubs like Coconut Grove. Right. But what he did was more like a kind of an island rum shack. Right, right. You know, it's got more of a grassroots feel to yes. it. Yes, yeah, yeah. At the same time in Hollywood, they are making these romantic island fantasy films. right. So that kind of carries on. And then you have the war. Right. And then after the war, you have those GIs returning from... They've actually been to those Polynesian islands. Right. So you've got them coming back with stories of what it was like. And right. I think the film South Pacific, which is about GIs on a, on a Polynesian island. Right. So at that time as well, the late 40s, that's when Contiki comes in. Oh, okay. You were to, so you know about the Contiki expedition. Yeah, so there's a really good film about it called Contiki, and I really like it. After a month, the Contiki was way out in the ocean. The Humboldt current carried us north almost as far as the equator, after which we struck out straight across the Pacific. Ocean currents accounted for about one-third of our actual speed, and the rest was the gift of the trade wind. It's really good, and it's you know, obviously based on the expedition that they took yeah. to try and prove that um, he he had come from... Can you remember? You know. I know, I, yeah. Yeah, you know. Okay, you, you can explain it then. His name is Thor Heyerdahl. Oh, yeah, Thor. And yeah. so he has a theory that the Polynesian islands were inhabited by people from South America. Right. That's his theory. I thought they were from Peru, is it? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because he gets the Peru's government to fund the trip, doesn't right, he? Right. In the film, that's what. What? Because he's trying to get funding for it, uh, and he's trying to prove this theory. So yeah, he kind of goes to the president or the prime minister to be like, if I can prove that your people colonized mm. these islands, yeah, yeah, then it almost gives your culture more gravitas or something. Yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. So he sets out on this raft. From I can't remember where he actually leaves from, but he basically goes, yeah, from South America to the Polynesian Islands. And he gets quite far. I mean, it, the raft gets beached at the end, but he, yeah. it takes him 100 days and he travels 4,300 nautical miles. God, that's a long way, isn't it? In the open ocean as well. In the open Dangerous. ocean, yeah. In the film, he, not to give too much away if you watch it, but they, they bring um, steel uh, wire with them. And there's a bit of a, a ruckus with the crew because one, a couple of the crew members are like, oh my God, our raft is breaking up and there's sharks and, you know, it's really like life, life or death. But Thor's like, you know, we will not use that wire 
But, you know, it's a real bone of contention between them mm. because people are getting worried. But I won't tell you if they use them or not because that gives away the film. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was huge. This, like, at the time, that film, there was, like, he wrote a book about it. it like, so it was, like, a newsworthy event, a very newsworthy event. Mm. And he's written a book about it and there's the film. Right. That they make about it. Right. This is why I've been really loath to use this term. The word tiki means nothing to the people of Polynesia. Right. It's not a Polynesian term. It was his term. He described all the people of Polynesia as tiki people. Oh, right. Because right. that fit in with his theory. With his... Oh, right. Okay. And maybe we should add in here that his theory has been massively disproved. People oh, has it? People didn't even believe it at the time. Right. And now with... The archaeological expertise that exists. Oh, right. It's thoroughly debunked. Oh, is that right? I there, didn't realise that. There's been a little bit of genetic testing of people. Okay. There is a trace. Yeah. There's a trace amount of some South American. Right. But his general theory of the people of Polynesia coming from South America is pretty much debunked. Where did they come from then? Southeast Asia. So the raft was named Kontiki after the Inca god Viracocha, for whom Kontiki was said to be an old name. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, so Viracocha, the kind of uh, Inca deity. But none of that's Polynesia, so it doesn't come from Polynesia. It doesn't mean anything to Polynesians. Right. So right. describing them all as Tiki people right. is completely false. Right. But it's stuck. So, so basically Tiki is kind of... Um kind of kitsch beach deity it is it, it, not re it's really just manufactured yeah because the polynesian stuff is all manufactured right everything about it is fantasy right including the name and you feel, and, and yeah. the actual people who live in, in the real place have absolutely no connection to it and no, no kind and, of and if anything that name because it does it does, Tiki does relate to, to ancient religions, even though right. it's not used now. People who are who are kind of into this in a serious way, yeah, try to avoid using that term, and right. they they try now to use the term Polynesian pop to describe right. this aesthetic. Oh, right, right. It's an aesthetic, isn't it? Well, the it? kind of the Inca aesthetic, the kind of the masks, because the, the, all the masks and everything come from the Inca gods. You know, when you look at the Viracocha. You know, that kind of Mayan, almost Aztec kind of look. Yeah, and then you've got the Easter Island head. So all that that kind of stuff of like the tiki, tiki mugs. Yeah. Which is kind of mimicking the Easter Island heads. Yeah. That doesn't come into like the 50s and 60s. Oh, so that's much later. later. That's much later. That wasn't oh. part of Don Beach's thing. Oh, interesting. That, oh, was, okay. that was assimilated later. Oh, interesting. Right. So the whole thing is, is a fantasy. So this is kind of... This is the problem. The problem with language is that they, we don't have a word to describe all this that people understand other than tiki. Yeah, but it kind you of... You can say tiki and people get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah, tiki yeah. mug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not called a Polynesian pop mug. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the trouble. It's so entrenched now in culture yeah. and history yeah. that it's become almost impossible to place. Like, they came up with the Polynesian pop thing in the 90s. Yeah. That's 30 years ago, and it's not catching on. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, that, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, like Gaijin, isn't it? You know, like in Japan, Gaijin invasion. You know, Gaijin is a whole thing about Westerners invading Japan. Right. You know, and they have a whole name for it, and it's Gaijin, you know. And I just find it quite interesting. This is what we as in humans have been doing for centuries, you know, really. You've, ever since that we kind of had met each other, we kind of borrow and we assimilate. And, and it's quite interesting nowadays, isn't it? Because, you know, it brings up the whole, um, you know, like woke debate that is very like of the zeitgeist of our time. Cultural appropriation and, and everything is... Is it, we're all so much more aware of it, and but it's but something that you know I think is quite interesting. You know, particularly being an artist, is that the borrowing of cultures and and the mixing of cultural things that we as is, is a very human condition. I think what people often take umbrage with is is the sort of capitalization of it and the sort of taking of things that people hold dear, very dear to themselves. And kind of slapping it on lunchboxes and everything, which is, I guess, a sort of, um, I think, you know, is, is, is always seen as a Western kind of attribute to kind of do that. But I think now we just generally live in a much more capitalist world. And it's just a capitalist construct to do that, to kind of take things and sell it. But we, but humans have been doing it for centuries. But I guess before they used to trade these mm. things. And now we tend to take and then 
transform it. And yeah. It, and it removes from its original origin then, doesn't it? I think probably every culture creates a fantasy version of other cultures. Oh, God, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like what the Americans think England's like. Yeah. And what... Who knows yeah. what Germans think Japan's like and vice versa. Well, the thing whatever. I find really, really fascinating about Miyazaki uh, films, you know, Studio Ghibli, there's a whole massive sort of subgroup of anime, which is purely focused, and a lot of Miyazaki films that have it, of old Europe and old Britain, mm, and yeah. really fascinated in the kind of industrialization period and the whole, like, you know, um, Regency look and the wigs and the and the Victorian dresses, yeah. Uh, yeah, the very quintessentially English, and then you see Asian tourists coming around. You know, very quintessential uh, English villages are seeing the thatched roofs and stuff because to them that's like us looking at amazing cool samurai shit. Mm. It's the equivalent, isn't it? Mm. And 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 that idealization is 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 something that we just kind of do as people, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, but your point about that's kind of okay. It's when it's when it starts to be used and taken for large amounts of profit that people start then getting more upset about it. I I guess so. Yeah, so yeah. Seems to be what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, because I guess it's kind of like we unknowingly take things that are sacred to people. So, like one of the big things. Yes, isn't that's it, in a, that's a good year. way of putting it. Yeah, taking things that are unknowingly sacred, and that is why the, the, there are people now who take real umbrage with that term "tiki." But then, but then, you know, like I, to play devil's advocate, why can't we have both? Why can't we have our tiki mugs and enjoy it for what that is? Because a tiki mug is just a an old uh, style mask, and just have that, and then they can have their. Like, like I, I sort of wonder that in the world. You know, like, so, you know, just to play devil's advocate here, I sort of, I like to question, I like to sort of, to sort of ask like, well, you know, objectively, where does this start and where does it stop? And I think that's the kind of the woke debate that we're having at the moment. Where does it start and where does it stop? Mm. And it's an interesting one because I, I'm definitely not, I haven't definitely made up my mind at all yet. It's, yeah, yeah, It's ebbs you. and flows. yeah. With the more information I have and the more I talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Thinking back to the drinks. Yeah. Like I, like I said, you know, the drinks that Don Beach created with creating this genre of tiki drinks, which weren't called tiki drinks at the time. Rum Rhapsodies was the name he gave them. I like that. Rum Rhapsodies is a really it? cool It's lovely. Name. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. You know, he was taking a Caribbean formula. Basically, the planter's punch is the formula that he was taking. So a sweet and sour rum drink. Let's call it that. And so he's taken the formula for planter's punch, which was different wherever you went. I think it originates in the 17th century in Barbados, but wherever you went, there were versions of planter's punch. And it would always be different depending on what ingredients were around in that area and what rums and what ingredients. But it has this really lovely rhyme that anyone can remember and you can use this ratio formula in the right. form of a rhyme to create your own rum rhapsodies. Right, right. And that formula is one of sour, two of sweet, three of strong, four of weak, a little spice to make it nice. Oh, nice. I like it. And using that formula, I've made you your own rum rhapsody. Oh, I love it. I could do another I'm drink gonna, as well. I'm going to make you one. And, oh. um, you also get to name it because it's your cocktail. Oh, I love it. Oh, I've got to try it then. So I've made you your own rum rhapsody. Oh, I love it. What do you think? I absolutely love it. I think it's got really lovely tones to it. It's got quite a punch to it, which I think is just perfect for me. But the thing that you really get from it is a strange bananariness about it. And there's no banana in it. And there's no banana in it. That's but there's the magical cocktails. And the reason why there's banana in it is because of the mouthfeel. It's got a banana mouthfeel. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Okay. Banana kind of has a quality of its own, doesn't it? And when you add yes. it to a drink, it kind yeah. of gives it a banana quality that's very specific. I mean, this has got pineapple in it. 
And when you shake pineapple in right. cocktails, it really throffs up in ways that other fruit juices don't. Right, okay. And I wonder if that, some of it is that combined with the rums. Right, that, it makes that kind of... A thicker mouthfeel. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this has got a really lovely texture to it when you drink it. It's one of the things I notice. But I've, I've come up with a name for it. Oh, okay. Monster Pony. Monster Pony. I'll have a Monster Pony, please. The Monster Pony. My little monster stuck on a pony. Monster Pony. <laughs> uh, see, I thought you might like to have like Wolfie in it, because you're, you're Wolfie. Oh, well, because my nickname's Wolfie. Yeah. My self-appointed nickname is Wolfie. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, everyone, just so you know, I really like the name Wolfie, so I've tried to get it as a nickname for me by just referring to myself as Wolfie. But I refer to myself as... Because you've heard me do it, haven't you, with yep. Josh? And, and I go like, oh, poor Wolfie, he's so misunderstood. And you've I talk to myself. As well. Have I? Yeah. <laughs> it's not catching on, dude. No one's buying it. Oh, no, I am. I, in my head, I kind of think of you as Wolfie now. Oh, do you? I won't, give, I won't give you the satisfaction of actually calling <laughs> That's it. No one wants to give me the satisfaction. I'm like, I'm like bloody Don Brocco up there, or whatever his name is. What's his name? Don Beachhouse. Don Beach. Don Beach Hut. And like... Um, Beach Hut. And like, I'm trying to give myself a nickname and it's not... Well, what about um, Wolfie's... Wolfie's Satisfaction. Wolfie's Satisfaction. <laughs> um. Wolfie's Monster Pony. Wolfie's Monster Pony. Tell you what, by the time this episode is out, we're going to have a name. I quite like my little monster's pony. <laughs> <laughs> like a little monster and he's got like a little pony but the reason why um because my metaphor for this cocktail it is like you are you so you drink it and i getting the feeling of being on you're strapped into the cart and you're going through what, what kind of hang on what cart a cart a cart yeah you're strapped into the roller coaster cart oh okay the doors open and you go through and you're in the funhouse. There's quite a funhouse feel about this fun, drink. Okay, okay, I like Wolfie's funhouse. I like that. Do you, Wolfie's funhouse? See that? I think it's a great name. Cool. cool. I'm into it. Yay! Okay, that's it. Because I kind of, it kind of, it's got like a yeah, reminiscent of fun funhouses. Yeah, I'm totally feeling it. Summer. It's a nice summer evening, and it's at the end of the day. And you know, you know, when it's like it's, it's that weird time on, in the summer because. You know it's late, and you know it's getting darker, but it still feels like it's daytime, but it's nighttime. It's all very strange. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing is, all night now, I'm going to be singing, My Little Wolfie's Pony. I've got it in my head. Okay, Wolfie's Fun House it is, and I'm going to put that recipe along with the Aku Aku zombie recipe in the episode description. Oh, amazing. So you, so can, you can make it yourself. You can make your own Wolfie's Fun House. So, have we got time for my quiz? Well, that's what I was thinking. Yes, we Let need to get do my your quiz. quiz. Questions. But we're changing it a bit, because okay. originally you pitched this as, I have to guess them. Yes. We're now opening it up that everyone oh, is, darling, is yes. able to guess. Yes, I want all our audience participation... On who wants to be a cocktail? Hello, darlings. So, on today's, this week's cocktail, we have two ounces of gin, half an ounce of creme de voilette, half an ounce of fresh lemon juice, and a quarter ounce of Galliano, one egg white lemon peel for garnish. Now, the theme was zombie... But don't think about zombies. Because <laughs> that's not confused. No, but are think you, about nightmares. Are you like trying to like, um, is that reverse psychology? Oh, think about nightmares. Yeah, so that was the starting. Right. So from zombies, I went to nightmares. Oh, okay. Now, your three cryptic questions. Everyone, you, Paul, everyone out there. These are tough ones, I've got to be honest. Okay, clue number one. I'm more human than human, half machine in a dream, or is it a nightmare? Okay, the next one. <laughs> I built worlds of darkness, architectures of hell. Get away from her! 
Necro Lady. Was that all one? Yep. Bloody hell. And then the third one. Weave in airbrushed darkest desires. Get away from the pharmacist pills. Is it art or is it porn? Who is the cocktail? Well, who is the cocktail named after? Can I ask one question? Sure. Is it a musician? No. Okay, I'm totally wrong then. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. so so it's it's so this book that I'm referring from, the clue I'll give you is that they all are artists. Oh, they're artists. Yes, they're artists. But but uh, but you will know his work. You will have seen his work. My cryptic clues are they are they are purposely there to lead you astray and to lead you in but if you know this person you'll be like oh they do make sense I love it this is uh, I'm, you know this is a real brain twister <laughs> I'm going to have to give this some serious thought um, so yeah so if you know that um, email in your answers to nogarnish at fastmail.fm and we would love to hear from you and the prize that you will win is our utter admiration yeah yeah I'm so- <laughs> we'd be Fucking impressed. <laughs> Do you know, I've been trying not to swear so much. I think that's the first time I've maybe sworn this episode. I've sworn a few times. But would you? do you want to kind of... I never of, noticed you swearing. I always notice me swearing. I, I don't think I swear as much as you, but I've been trying to swear more. <laughs> to try and balance it up. <laughs> really? Um, but why is that? Do you, do you want to get more professional with it? Do you want to get more BBC? No, I just, I just thought I'd, I should maybe... I think people tend to sound a bit more intelligent when they don't swear so much. I think you're right. I think, like, you know, um, like, if anyone swears in an argument, you've lost it. But then, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I swear so much in my everyday language. I don't even yeah. realise. Actually, talking about that, I uh, just wanted to um, say to you, because you've just reminded me... Right. Um... Someone's complained about my swearing. Someone has wrote in and complained. No, what? they haven't. Um, oh, God. My actually heart went then. Honestly, my heart skipped a bit then. Like, the idea of offending someone is so awful to me. Is it? Yeah. Well, I was just going to do a little shout-out to Ollie. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, because he sent me a message. Yeah. And you just reminded me. Okay. Because he also has a podcast um, called Bonus Points. Oh. And it's a, a computer game podcast. It's on YouTube. Cool. And it's really good. And just to kind of share the love, really. So anyone, yeah. uh, if you want to check out Bonus Points, head over to um, YouTube, and it's a really good podcast. Good title as well. Yeah, I think it's a great title. Man, how brave... Would we have to be to do YouTube? But I, I wouldn't mind being videoed. I mean, I just love my gorgeous face, darling. Yeah, I don't want to be on YouTube. Do you not? But I like yeah. the anonymity, and I like the yes. fact that we're just we're we're just voices. I because I, I can feel like I can relax so much more. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about my hair and all that sort of stuff. YouTube's the place to be, though. I guess. Yeah, TikTok. That's the one. Different generations, I guess, isn't it? It's different age groups. Yes. We're killing it in the 35 to 44 age range. That's where we want to be. <laughs> That's where we want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the youngsters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they don't drink cocktails anyway. I they mean, they, no. they drink white lightning and... Uh... <laughs> They don't actually. Youngsters they don't even now drink anymore. No, they don't even. No, they, they drink water. Yeah, water and and, and spritz. <laughs> so, have we had any uh, feedback from our beautiful listeners? So, Theo Fizzler on Instagram wants to know any. <laughs> I don't know if she's planning to put us away, but she wants to know if we have any um death row last meal, Ooh. last cocktail requests. Yes. For my meal, I would like Yorkshire puddings. Yorkshire puddings with melted cheese in them and one load to have a little bit of ketchup and mustard and the other load to have jam, melted cheese and jam in a Yorkshire pudding. (laughs) I'm pulling a really bad face here. Really? Yeah. That's your last meal? Yeah. And then, and then, but that's not it. Okay. Because with the savoury Yorkshire puddings, I would have uh, stuffing. I love stuffing. Okay. And um, my cocktail would be a, a lager shandy. That's like the weirdest last meal I've ever heard. I love a lager shandy. It's one of my favourite drinks. No, my last cocktail has to be something more flamboyant. Maybe something on fire that you can throw at the guards and escape. Oh, oh, I like it. And then you go down in history as the weirdest last meal ever. 
but a brilliant jailbreak. Well, apparently with uh, death row inmates' meals, they actually like stopped giving them the last meal, didn't I they? I heard that, yeah. Because they would order such outrageous, outlandish things, often yeah. really expensive meals with lobster and everything, but they were so chewed up about it that they would uh, not eat any of it. It would all yeah. go to waste. Yeah. So I think now you get a happy meal. <laughs> <laughs> you get to keep the little toy. <laughs> what would mine be? I right now I'm thinking I'd really like a curry. Not just a curry, maybe like a whole tali, a whole big spread. Yeah. Indian platter. Indian platter. Yeah. Would you have a tiki masala? Did you see what I did? There? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, would you have a tiki cocktail? My, my cocktail would be a tiki cocktail. I oh, think. would it? Yeah, nice, nice tiki cocktail. Maybe like this one. Oh, really? Yeah, really? this would be perfect. Yeah. Tiki cocktails make me happy. Let's get drunk on rum and go out smiling. Yeah, I, like, I think something like very boozy would be good. So, yeah, so that's, um, I'd be interested to hear what other people's uh, last meals would be. And last I wonder how cocktails. Many, I wonder how, yeah, last cocktails would be great. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for the cocktails. You're very welcome. And um, for transporting <laughs> me. Thanking me for listening to you or just thanking you. <laughs> thank you very You're much welcome. for listening to me, Paul. Thank you, very, <laughs> thank you very much for putting up with me, Paul. Yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, glad you like the cocktails. Yeah. Wolfie's Fun House. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> right, time to roll the dice, see what we're drinking next episode. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Ooh, five. Number five? Number five. Hey, number five is the Batanga. Batanga! So the Batanga... Yeah. The Batanga is the cocktail that you had the choice of with the Dirty Martini. Oh! You could have drunk tequila and coke and lime. Ooh! And instead you chose the Dirty Martini. Yeah, so this is the this is the one that was actually meant for me. This yes. is my destiny. It's your destiny. Your oh destiny. my god, the Batanga! Should we do, um, should we Batanga out of here? <laughs> With the Batanga, is there a dance that you do like the tango? The, there the should... Batango. <laughs> let's, let's end this episode. <laughs> yeah, let's just end this episode and see if we can come up with a drink. Uh, a drink, a dance, a yeah. batanga for next week. Give me, uh, yeah, uh, batanga, man. Cheers. Kawa batanga. <laughs>